You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into a late night edition of the Locked On Nets podcast recording on Sunday. The clock has changed. Josh's jovial attitude has not. Josh, how's it going? Gavin, I'm doing well. Uh, it's not that late. What's, what's wrong with you? It's only 6.30 here. 6.30. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I still haven't even uh, gone into work yet for the day, so it actually should it should be pretty early for me. You're an unusual character, Gavin Shaw. That's true. I'm a, a real enigma. Uh, speaking of unusual, the Nets, actually, no, this is pretty usual. They lost their fourth game in a <laughs> row to the, yeah, Los, to the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, I think it, well, I'm spitballing here because I'm not allowed to Google anything during the show and I don't do any research, but I think it was like 124, 112. Exactly right. I'm wow. very surprised that you got that. Look at that. Uh, mathematician over here. All very right. suspicious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I won't go, won't, won't reveal my source. Um, yeah, so another pretty dismal effort for the uh, for the Suns, and I think, for I guess the you, Suns. from the Suns, Jesus. Oh, you're a traitor. I am a traitor. Really? <laughs> you I know that. It. We've talked about this before. I'm, I'm an obvious trader. I'm, I'm a transparent trader. Um, yeah, dismal effort for the uh, for the Brooklyn Suns. Um, they, Do you want my new co-host? Just send an email to me at uh, <laughs> lockdownnets at gmail dot com. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've we're if uh, if Alvin doesn't step up, I think someone could maybe be the next man in line when one of us goes down. Um, yeah, pretty pretty terrible defense again uh could have been even worse if lonzo made shots and i guess you could argue like other guys on the lakers specifically brooke lopez were like shooting out of their mind to make up for that but yeah it felt like it felt like the lakers could get anything they wanted on offense yeah definitely lonzo was really bad uh he was getting to spots but he just couldn't hit anything he was getting into the lane pretty easily against uh d'angelo russell there was really no resistance but he just wasn't able to finish uh, but luckily, all the other Lakers took care of that for him. Brooke Lopez, as you mentioned, 34 points, was just draining threes and then overpowering guys like Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Karis LeVert when they were switched on to him. And then Kyle Kuzma also was terrific. He scored 21 points. He's a ton of polish. He's obviously always going to be connected with the Nets because he was drafted at the Nets uh, spot. But um, who knows if they would have picked him, but definitely hindsight looks 20-20. Because he looks like he's the real deal and kind of looks better than Lonzo Ball even at this point. Yeah, I was, was going to ask you quickly because I remember you you even remarking uh, that to me before I saw the game. Right now, if you could trade him for Jared Allen, do you do it? Oh, of course. I mean, that's, All right. not, even, that's not even a question. Okay, slightly harder question. Do you undo the D'Angelo Russell trade, keep that pick, and keep Rolo? That's, you know, that's a good question. I would probably say no. Like knowing what we know now that Jeremy Lin's out for the season. Sure. Because I think, even though I love Spencer Dinwiddie, I think him being the primary ball handler for an 82-game stretch would leave the Nets pretty vulnerable. And again, if he was, was to get injured, they would be in the same situation as they were last year, where Isaiah Whitehead and Sean Kilpatrick and some of those guys are really manning the point a lot. And that's not going to be a conducive environment for players to grow. I still believe in D'Angelo Russell. I think he's going to be better over time. He has a lot of talent, obviously. His decision-making needs a lot of work. His defense needs work. Uh, are, you, are you okay? Yeah, big sneeze. I was trying to like hold it in and make it smaller, but that just made it bigger. Gavin is a very powerful sneeze for, for <laughs> that have not been That's my strongest trait. <laughs> that's, whenever anyone writes out my strengths and weaknesses, that's my top strength and weakness. It's, it's better than his podcasting ability. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's actually that's in the weakness category, too. Um, but... Yeah, yeah, Kuzma definitely looks like a player. His offensive polish is so, so pronounced for someone uh, that's a rookie. 
And he wasn't a great college player, but he's really taken to the whoa, mismatches. Whoa, whoa. He as someone who spent four years in the Pac-12. He was, I mean, by, by his, he wasn't he was a great good for player, four years. But he wasn't the most efficient. I don't think he, was he even shooting like 30% No, he was, he had one of the, he had one of the, his senior year, he had one of the higher offensive ratings in the country. Before that, that that's a fair point. He, he was, he was always, those Utah teams had a lot of guys. They had him, uh, Pirtle, and DeLon Wright uh, all in the same Yeah, team. that was a really good team. Yeah, they were fun. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I'm, I'm surprised by like, and they, what's the other guy's name? That um, he's like a shooting guard that they had. Uh, I don't remember. I know who you're talking. They have like a guard now who's I think who might still be on the team, or either that or just graduated. Who's very good. That those teams are good. I, I love uh, not not to get too sidetracked, but we're talking about the Lakers. I, I the Pac-12 basketball. My last two years of school was a lot of fun, and last season was just love ridiculous love with, with Lonzo, with TJ Leaf, with Markinen. It was and, and that Oregon team. And now all those guys are actually doing well in the NBA. Yeah, uh, Dylan, Dylan Brooks, Jordan Bell, they're killing it right now. Yeah, and uh, I think Tyler Dorsey is in the G League maybe. He's, he's going to be pretty good for someone down the road maybe. Um, yeah, I, I love all those guys. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm shocked by how good uh, Kuzma is. He's like, it just seems like everything he did well in college translates flawlessly to the NBA. And I, I'm shocked by how smooth his jump shot is because I really thought that was kind of like a like at least that part of his game was a summer league flash in the pan and he's totally uh carried it over uh the other guy who really stood out to me on the lakers and i know we don't want to spend too much time talking about the other team but brandon ingram has if he can like bulk up and i know that's that's constantly the question with him and he gained i think like 20 pounds this offseason so he's moving in that direction and the lakers are just telling him eat as much as possible uh whenever possible but he is so freakishly long he's he's kind of Giannis light there were so many plays with the nets where he would drive and the nets would have him bottled up because he's not really that explosive and he would just go up go around them he'd stick his arm under like um someone trying to use verticality to slow him down and like lay it in he, he's ridiculous. If, if he if he can get any kind of consistency down, I, I could still see him being a star too. And I'm with you. Yeah. I almost like those two guys more than Lonzo at this point. I don't know. I'm not the biggest Ingram fan. Like as you mentioned, he's not explosive at all, and I think that really limits his upside. So that's kind of the one thing that Giannis has that makes him so good that he's so long uh, and big, but also extremely fast. And Ingram just kind of moves very slowly and mechanically around the court. But also, these guys might look good because they're playing the Nets, and the Nets' defense right now is atrocious. Yeah, there's there's not a ton of answers because it, it's a combination of lack of talent, youth, and lack of effort, and that's that's kind of deadly. And obviously, the only thing you can really change is is the effort. Um, and ideally, they get smarter as the season goes along. But you're still seeing a lot of the same mistakes. They weren't getting beat on backdoor cuts as much this game, but a lot of times guys getting crossed up off the dribble and not really being able to recover. Um, another thing I noticed a lot was guys, and, and this could just be a product of the fact that they were getting beat off the dribble and, and just having offensive players be faster than them, but um, defenders were almost pre-helping. Like Even when a guy wasn't beat, you saw them really leaning over in the direction of the ball handle, like ready to jump, and that just created so many open threes for the Lakers. And it was, even, even when the Nets have a lot of length out there, and with Carroll and RHJ on the wing, those guys are both pretty long. It, it's impossible to contest with that kind of space, and you have a brilliant passer like Lonzo Ball manning the attack. They, they just got open three after open three. And you compound that with laziness like Tyler Zeller. I, I think if you told him to save his life, if he could just stick his hands over his head, he wouldn't have been able to do it. He, he gave him Lopez open three after open three. And even when he was there, again, the hands weren't up. So it, it was like he was shooting against air, and that, that's how Lopez killed him. 
Well, I thought Zeller actually played very well on D in the first half, and I tweeted about it, but then he got roasted all second half. And I agree with the overhelping point. A lot of times when Lonzo Ball was running the pick and roll with Brooke Lopez, or the pick and pop, excuse me, um, there's no need to kind of hedge hard against Lonzo, or just you have to stick with Lopez because Lonzo hasn't proven that he can get to the basket and finish. Um, so you, you have to make him do that as opposed to leaving Brooke Lopez wide open from three. And the Nets of any team should know that Brooke Lopez is going to stick that wide open shot. Yeah. Um, if you want to get, uh, you know, let's let's finish up with the negatives before we get into bright spots because it, it was kind of an There's impressive. There's a lot game. of negatives. Yeah. Uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, again, another terrible game. This time, like on top of the fact that he didn't move the ball exceptionally well. I mean, he he had seven assists, but again, he was like stopping the offense. I think I think it was he was a little bit better about that this game, but you could tell a lot of times he was still just looking to get his. Um, he actually shot terribly. He was 8 for 24 from the field, 1 of 8 from 3, and I, I think what kind of doomed him was um, early in the game, or it might, it might have been early second quarter, but he banked in like a long 3, and you could tell from that point he was just going to take every shot with the confidence that it was going to go in, and you know when he's hot, that makes him great, and that makes him an exceptional scorer and one of the hardest guys in the league to stop. But when the shots aren't falling, it just makes him a chuck. And again, it takes away everything else the Nets want to do on offense. And you saw way too many possessions where all these guys kind of taking D'Lo's lead, they're like, I'm going to get mine. And they were trying to play ISO basketball. And the Nets don't have the talent to do that and take bad shots and win a game. And I think you kind of saw that tonight. And and that obviously also reflects on the other end in terms of effort. And it leads to a lot of runouts. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to the Locked on Nets podcast. Going forward in this episode, we're talking about the Nets' struggles moving the basketball, Brooke Lopez's dominance against his old team, and what grinds mine and Josh's gears. So keep it with us, the Locked on Nets podcast. Yeah, the ball movement sucked. There's no other way to to put it. Uh, D'Angelo Russell only getting to the line one time is pretty inexcusable for someone who has the ball as much as he does and is trying to score as much as he does. He needs to really learn what's a good shot and what's not. Just because he can get that 20-footer um, off the pick and roll every time doesn't mean you should take it often because that's proven to be the least efficient shot in basketball, especially for someone that has a lot of shot-making talent like he does, but is not a great shooter. Um, he really needs to kind of hone that shot selection, and you hope that's going to improve throughout the year. Another guy uh, that was pretty bad was basically all the Nets big man, just no resistance there, and that's kind of the reason why their defense isn't going to be able to improve that much because they don't have the personnel for it. Uh, Karis Levert, I thought, was terrible, just kind of chucking and not really understanding shot selection as well. And then on defense, he's a huge liability when he gets switched on to bigger guys just because he doesn't have the strength to even put up a fight. So he's been a real uh, disappointment for me this year. I still believe in his talent at the end of the day, but he needs to show me that at some point uh, to make me believe that he's going to be a quality contributor for this team. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, too. Um, he hit that three early in the game, and I was like, okay, this might be the night he starts getting it together, and then his shot just still looks... I think he hit two of his first three or four, and then yeah, yeah. Night, two of ten. So. Yeah, his shot just Full looks streak. ugly. and it, it's, He rushes it's, way too much. Yeah, it, it's tough, because he has, like, you could tell he has kind of, like, a natural touch, and if he, like, really took his time and was focused on, like, following through and holding that follow-through, like, like you sh- they should just put him in a room with Joe Harris for two hours, lock the door, and just be like, you know, just just talk to him about form, just talk to him about following through, just maybe do some wrist exercises with him. Um, I, I don't know. He, he he needs something to get that shot around and to, like, take a little bit more time and be a little bit more patient. And I feel like he also doesn't draw fouls when he goes to the basket, and that's the thing with a lot of guys on this team. 
besides Rondé Hollis Jefferson, they seem to shy away from contact when they're going to the rim, um, and it makes it easier for the officials to just let the play go on um, if you're not trying to to kind of put your body out there, if you're just shying away from contact. Yeah, if, if, if you want to throw a positive in there, uh, Alan Crabb having probably his best game. He was great, yeah. I was very surprised. 25.6 rebounds, and then far and away the biggest thing was 11 free throws, and now that's like a little bit deceptive because I think he got – Either six or nine, nine of those. And we're, and we're being fouled on threes. Fouled on threes, yeah. But then he had a couple of and ones. And like the play I loved, and I think maybe it was like a little bit of a teaching moment for him, was he had Brooke Lopez out on him. And you could tell he still wanted to shoot the three. And then he's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to yell that if I do this. And then he pump faked a little bit, drove into the lane, took some contact, and actually looked really natural finishing. And that's kind of the beauty of being 6'7 at the shooting guard position. If you're that long, you don't have to be an explosive finisher at the rim. You can just hang a little bit, double pump, and put it in. And you can kind of take something out of Ingram's book in that category and maybe try for a few more of those finishes. But again, it's, it's, it's almost the same story as always for him. If he's shooting well, he's going to be a really nice player. If he's not shooting well, he's doing nothing. But I think his movement off the ball was a lot better, and that allowed him to get those attempts in the first place and be in a position where he could uh, rise up for threes and either get fouled or hit the shot. So that's good on him. Uh, he definitely looked a lot more comfortable in the system than he had in the first few games, and I hope that's going to continue um, because he needs to be an important part of this team if the Nets are going to have any type of success whatsoever. Yeah, and then we, we've hinted at a couple times, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson playing an extremely efficient offensive game. Ten shots led to 21 points, uh, 9 of 11 from the charity stripe, five rebounds, four assists. But again, you don't really notice the same defensive intensity from him. And that's like, I almost put that on the back burner because they're, it's like everyone else on the lineup is like a bigger culprit on defense than he is. But they, they really do need him to be dominant on wing yeah. scores. And he, and he simply, he wasn't. Right. For someone that's supposed to, this calling card is defense, then he was pretty terrible. He jumps at everything, like even pump fakes from I don't know, just like any r- random player being at the three-point line, he'll jump for that. He needs to be a lot more disciplined. He was getting completely beat off uh, the dribble just by guys like Ingram, uh, Jordan Clarkson, and that can't happen because offensively, even though he's putting up good stats, just his inability to uh, space the floor whatsoever because he can't shoot threes, that's always going to be a drag, um, especially when he's playing alongside Mozgov. It's never going to be a positive offensive lineup. So he really needs to to make sure that his defense is up to where it was the first two years of his career if he wants to be a contributing player going forward. Or else I'm not really sure what his role is going to be on the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he can keep this up offensively, he's definitely – I mean, it's, he's, he's clearly one of the Nets' most important players. It's kind players. of empty stats, though, because he's yeah. not creating spacing or, or passing for others. Like, he's just getting his his points in a vacuum. Yeah, I, I guess what where I give him, like, a little bit of credit – is um, he is, I mean, or at least this game, he was playing big, he ended up playing 37 minutes because of the injuries to uh, Quincy AC, uh, Jared Allen, and Trevor Booker. But, and, and you combine that with the fact that they play at such a fast pace and there's just like an absurd number of possessions. Like, I think, I can't remember whose podcast it was on. Tom Habistro actually might have thrown this out there that um, I think the Nets' average possessions is higher than the run and gun or seven seconds and less uh, Phoenix Suns had in a game all season, except for maybe like two games that year. So that just gives you some perspective on how quick the Nets are going. And I think even, even with all the rotations Kenny Atkinson does, I could see that tiring guys out and RHJ, who's 
Yeah, I mean, he's, he's like naturally a very good defender because of his length, but a big part of it was that like he was so laser focused on that end. And now that he, I, I think it's kind of natural when you add to your offensive game, you lose a little bit on the other end. And that's what makes someone like Kawhi and someone like Draymond so brilliant that they can do it on both ends night to night. And it's something he has to figure out how the year goes on. I'm pretty confident he's going to be able to find a good balance there, but it's definitely something to look out for. Um, I guess uh, five, I, don't, I, don't, I yeah. would have to kind of differ on that because sure. to me, he never is. Like since his ankle injury, his rookie year, he doesn't look that explosive. Uh, he used to be a guy that would fly in for dunks, get these high, highlight blocks, but now he just seems like just another guy. His athleticism, his quickness, and his ability to jump and finish has really diminished, and that's going to translate translates over to his defense, where he really struggles to stay in front of guys. And I have to give him a lot of credit for his skill development. His jump shot, uh, especially his mid-range shot, is miles a, uh, above what it was his rookie year, and his um, ability to finish and finish through contact has really improved. But at the same time, if he doesn't have that athleticism that he did coming into the league, it's going to be hard for him to maximize his ceiling, especially on the, on defense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we still, we see like little flashes like, of that. Do you consider him to be an athletic player based on just of what you watch and not his reputation? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess I don't see it as much, but there are so many guys that like, you don't, I mean, like, I, I think rookies tend to show that off more just because everything's happening so quickly. They kind of have to maximize that part of their game, and maybe that's their only advantage, like, day in and day out. And I think naturally, as guys get older, you see that less and less. And he did have that, like, I mean, you never want to cite one play for an example of a skill set, but he had that ridiculous block on LeBron. So I see I see it in flashes, but, I mean, I mean you're right. I wouldn't necessarily call him explosive based on what I've seen overall. So that, that could be a point, and that could be something from you just having watched this team for a long time you picked up on. Um, Damari yeah, Carroll, I, like I haven't yeah. seen him dunk. Like maybe he's dunked once this season. Like he doesn't make a lot of plays for someone that's supposed to be like a good finisher around the rim. Um, yeah, you know, no, no one a lot of finesse, which is fine. I mean, yeah. he's definitely improved a lot as a scorer, but you'd like to see more of those athletic uh, plays of force. Yeah, you you could argue that's like kind of a weakness on this Nets team as a whole because outside of um, I'm trying to think like who's like really had like a monster athletic play this year. I guess Jared Allen. Allen? Yeah, yeah, Allen's probably the one guy. Yeah, you see like. You see Flash of a Karras has like moments like that, but even with him, it's not really vicious dunks. And I, 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 the perfect epitome of that might be uh, Car- uh, Damari Carroll threw an alley oop to Joe Harris that he finished with a layup. <laughs> and that's, I mean, it could, that could just be a Joe Harris thing, but I guess that, that might be like a little bit of a microcosm of what we're talking about. Yeah. So that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, and then the last guy I wanted to talk about was Damari Carroll because I still thought he played pretty well, and he was. The, I thought he was great. Yeah. He was the only guy on the. Uh, no one else on the Nets had a positive plus minus, and in 34 minutes he was plus nine. So I think that's pretty indicative of what he did in like a really well-rounded game with 11 points, eight rebounds, four assists. But I, I think he's coming back to earth a little bit as a shooter because he he looked like I mean just in terms of like form and confidence he was like playing like a 38% to 40% three-point shooter, when in reality he's probably going to be a 36 to 38 guy um, based on what he's done the last couple of years. But all in all, no major complaints there. I thought he was solid. Yeah, I love the play when he always tries to, like when the other team gets a rebound and then he tries to go behind them and steal it. And it works a lot more than you would think. And those kind of hustle plays are so are so uh, needed for this Nets team that's kind of looking for that leadership and that intensity. Yeah, I, I wrote a note on that, and I was I was thinking that was like kind of like the epitome of what you'd see in that those Zach Lowe uh, ten things I like and don't like columns, like that it's like that little like microscopic aspect of the game that's really fun. My only issue is like sometimes like there were possessions where like the Nets would um, kind of like like everyone would try and copy that, 
and it ended in disaster. Like that's how right. I think it was Kuzma who got that run out dunk at the end. And you also could have put that on D'Lo, who was like the one guy outside the perimeter who didn't even consider running back on defense. Um, but yeah, yeah transition right. defense needs to be worked out with this team. Yeah. And especially when you like, as a team, like they take so many threes and I think a lot of times settle for threes and you get a lot of bricks. Like it, it's natural that teams are going to get runouts after that. Like if you're going to play that style of offense, you better be like hustling your ass back on the other end. And you just don't really see that all that often. Yeah. Just to, I mean, they shoot a lot of threes because they don't have a lot of creators. Um, I was kind of thinking about this, that the Nets, uh, besides excluding point guards, so the two through five position, the Nets probably have the worst like creators and scores of any team in the league because it's really bare. Uh, maybe you could throw Atlanta in there, but the team just doesn't, especially when D'Lo's not on the court, the team needs to take a lot of threes and movement needs to be on point just to have a functional offense because the individual talent isn't necessarily there. Yeah, yeah, and that I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier where like, you don't like this isn't a team that can afford to throw up bad shots like there has right. to be that effort to move the ball to get everyone to touch every single possession and that's really I think what characterized the success over the first five games of the year and then the lack of that like that that's like that's a big reason the Nets have lost four games in a row and I think that's where losing Jeremy Lin even even at the point guard play and you can argue just how well D'Angelo Russell has played but even if you're a numbers guy and you want to say the point guard play has been pretty good uh, when you throw Dinwiddie into that mix that's where losing Jeremy Lin really, right, really hurts there. because exactly. you, you needed those two creators on the floor. And I think that's what made both of us really excited going into the season. And with no Lin, that's starting to become really apparent that that's a big issue for this team. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's important for Kenny Atkinson to play Dinwiddie and D'Lo more together because they're the two best offensive players on the team. So it makes sense to maximize their minutes as opposed to just having Dinwiddie play the backup point guard minutes. He needs to be on the court for, I'd say, at least 25 a game. And there will be some overlap if that happens. Yeah, I agree with you. And obviously, there were there was foul trouble tonight, so we didn't really get to see it. And right. maybe maybe um, tomorrow against Phoenix, uh, that'll be something that comes so. up. Uh, one one thing I wanted to uh, get to you, Josh, as a lifelong Nets fan, what was it like uh, watching Brook Lopez just destroy his old team? Uh, you know, it was so weird because just that's like a classic Brook Lopez game. Um, he start he had some moments in the first half where he wasn't especially on D'Angelo Russell drives. He wasn't really contesting that well, but he just caught fire at the end. And he really is such an underappreciated player. Um, he's one of my favorite guys to watch, probably my favorite player on the Nets since I was a kid. So just seeing him uh, in those Laker gold uniforms, it was so weird. I know, I think he's happy there. Obviously, he's from California, um, and he's close to Disney. Is it Disneyland or Disney World? Disneyland. Disneyland, okay. So he's close to that. But, um, uh, you know, it's, it's so weird to not see him on the Nets and in a new situation all the way on the other coast. But um, especially with the Lakers, where it's such like a, a high-profile organization, and Lopez was always this underappreciated guy, it seems like kind of a weird fit. But um, yeah, no, as, as he caught fire, I couldn't help but be mad. I hope, couldn't help but be kind of happy for him. Um, even the game the night before against Portland, I was rooting for him. Uh, every shot he took, I was like really hoping it would go in. So just like, like, rooting, him, like eh, sorry, rooting for him like he was uh, back on his days with the Nets. Yeah, I think a friend of the show, Matthew Tonus, is a heart skipped a beat when you didn't know whether it was Disneyland or Disney World. You know, I'm not a Disney guy. I yeah, no, I know, I know. I, I can't, I can't tell him that because you guys are best yeah. friends right now, and I don't, I don't want to break that. Anti roller coaster. I know um, you, you've told me that in the past too, which makes me upset. But uh, I'll say this: like Lopez, like isn't a guy I watched a ton. So like this was, this might have been like the first full game I've seen of his in like a couple of years. He he's like so impressive, right? and yeah, and you could tell just like how like 
locked in he was because every time the Nets would switch a pick and roll, you would see him just put his back and butt into that guy and bully him under the basket uh, and then just catch like a lob inside and turn around and do everything he could to just dunk it in someone's face. But then he had that intensity. and But this is what I think makes guys really good on offense with the NBA. That intensity was cut with really impressive patience. Like there'd be times where like he'd get the switch and then RHJ would fly over to try and help and he would just pump fake his way by him and just lay it in over the smaller defender. And, and then you mix in the three-point shooting. You mix in the passing, which I know he only had two assists, but there were a bunch of times where you could tell he was just waiting for guys to cut, but the pass was so on point. It didn't even matter that the defense kind of knew it was coming. I, I, I loved how well-rounded his game was, and yeah, he was, he was a joy to watch. Yeah, he's always been a, such a skilled player, and I think now that he is a coach, last year in Kenny Atkinson and now in Luke Walton, that will let him uh, play to his skills as opposed to trying to pigeonhole him into that kind of traditional center mold like guys like Avery Johnson and Lionel Hollins did, and that's one of the reasons I didn't think they were great coaches or even competent because they were so rigid with their, with their system that they didn't maximize uh, their players' abilities. So I'm happy to see Brolo in a situation where he's allowed to shoot threes, and he's allowed to have freedom with the ball, um, and really played his strengths as a scorer. Him and, him and Robin are twins, right? They're not just brothers? Yeah, they're twins, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. I, I don't know what went wrong with Robin. Like, not, like, he's obviously, like, a solid NBA player, which maybe .0000001% of people who play basketball can say. But, like, the skill difference is just, like, totally astounding. Like, it, it's like like his parents paid for, like, Brooke to have a private coach while Robin got to go, like, play at the park sometime. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Robin's a better rebounder, defender. I don't know. I think it's the roles that they were in when they were kids because they always played together um, going throughout high school, I guess, and up to college at Stanford. Um, that's kind of the roles they were in where Brooke was always the scorer and Robin was the, was the defender. I think um, – I think it was the first game of the year for the Bulls where Robin Lopez took maybe 10 shots in the first quarter alone. And they the Bulls reporters asked him if that ever happened before. And he said, oh, with Brooke on my team, no way. I'd be lucky to get one shot. So <laughs> they play good. different ways. And I think uh, but they have a great relationship. And I've always I've loved both the Lopez brothers. I think they have a great dynamic, and they really make the NBA fun. I think, I think there's, like, another one that's, like, older who might have played college. Yeah, they have two other brothers, I think. Think. Yeah, one, right. yeah, def- one definitely played uh, in college. Yeah, and then uh, Zach Lowe is like an honorary brother because he's, he's in love with both of them. Before we wrap up the show with our favorite segment, What Grinds Our Gears, I-, I wanted to give you another reminder to go onto iTunes and leave a five-star rating for Locked On Nets. That's what keeps us going. That's what helps us get advertisers. And that's what helps us make three to five excellent episodes a week and give you your dose of Nets basketball coverage, and more importantly, your dose of Josh. I know you love it. I know you need it. So go on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, all right. Uh, let's wrap it up with uh, what grinds your gears. I, I didn't. This is a total uh, leap of faith, Josh, because I, I didn't ask you before the show if you had one. So I'm, I'm just counting on something uh, having upset you over the course of the week. And I think, there's, I think there's, that's a good bet on my part. Yeah, it's definitely a safe bet. Um, I'm not known for being the most optimistic person. And <laughs> one thing that grinds my gears, and one of the reasons why I haven't taken the plunge in buying NBA League Pass, is that if I miss a game, if I miss a Nets game, which I try not to do, I hate to do it, but um, sometimes it happens, life gets in the way, and I want to watch the, the Nets or Knicks game uh, after the fact, I would have to wait three days because I'm in the local market. And for me, this is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, no one likes watching sports after the fact um it's so much better live no one wants to watch it three days after the fact i don't understand why i would have to wait like i would never deliberately be like oh i have league pass i'm gonna wait till after the game 
and then just watch it and not pay my cable bill. Um, can you explain this to me at all, Gavin? Because it seems yeah. completely well, ridiculous in my well, opinion. Well, I think, I think, I mean, based on what you're saying, you get it. I mean, that's on, I mean, I, I mean, as far as I know, that's on Yes and MSG and not the NBA, obviously. And um, I guess the logic is, like, they're going to be showing replays for the next two days and when you're the rights holder when you pay like insane insane amounts of money for those games and i can't i I know yes is like really it's like more about the yankees but like for msg like i can't even imagine what the total is for just like owning the rights to broadcast the knicks i I think you want to maximize that as much as possible and it seems like kind of like a ruthless business practice to be like you can't show it for three days because we're going to play it two days later at three in the morning and if some junkie is watching at that point, we don't want him to just be able to flip to his league pass. So I guess that's the logic for it. They're trying to grind out a couple extra hundred, or maybe if I'm being extremely generous, thousand viewers. But yeah, it, it, it's over the top, and yeah, I think I think it has the, the opposite way. effect. I'm because, not always able to watch the yeah. replay at, at midnight. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I need some flexibility here. No, I was gonna say I think I think it probably long term has the opposite effect because like people who have league pass who like might become like Knicks fans, and if they ever. Move, I mean, I guess it's far-fetched, but if they ever move to like a local market, then they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I love uh, listening to Mike Breen and Clyde Frazier. I want, I want to watch, I want to watch it on MSG." Um, I, I think, I think instead by limiting that, you're just going to be like people like, "Fine, I guess I'm not going to watch that Knicks game because who, nobody's going to watch it three days later." Even like people like us who are insane don't really watch it three days later. So I'm, exactly. I'm 100% yeah. with you on that. All right, I, I, have, I have a quick one to throw back at you because I got to get off quickly and get to work. But uh, one thing that grinds my gears, and I think this happened to me twice this week, it happens every once in a while, is uh, when I when I hold the door for someone, I, I just like someone to say thank you. And like, it's not like it's not the greatest thing in the world. It's not like I'm doing them some massive favor. But just like, just like, don't assume it's your right for someone to like hold the door for you. Just like give give a quick thanks. It doesn't. You don't have to make eye contact. You could be walking away. It doesn't have to be in a particularly nice tone. Just just say the words. And when people don't do that. It makes me so upset because it's like the person saying, "Like, yeah, I'm above you. You better hold the door for me." So that that that's mine. Yeah, are you subtweeting me on this? On no, this, uh... I'm not. I'm really. You might have. You've probably done it before, but I, I'm not. I'm thinking like there's this guy at work who like who just like I was on like the like this um I'm in the NFL building. I probably shouldn't say what floor it's on just because I want to feel uh, big about myself. So I'm not going to say that. Um, but you're getting Roger Goodell's coffee. Yeah, of course. I, as I do, as I do every day. Um, not, not really for anyone who would, uh, take that as a slight against me and try and destroy me. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I was just, I was just going, I was going back downstairs to the basement that I work in and, uh, and like this guy just like in like a full like suit, just like walks by, hold the door wide open for him, wait for him to get all the way through. It's not like I gave him like, you know, like some people give like the, like semi-plate bump to keep it open so the person can support himself. I fall on the door. Bump person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's fine, depending on like how quickly you're moving or how much of a rush you're in. But you know, I just got breakfast. I was in a good mood. I open the door, hold it all the way for him, walks by, doesn't say anything. Yeah, sounds like a sounds like a jerk. I would definitely would have said something. I think sometimes when someone holds the door for you um, and you're far away and you have to kind of hustle up to get there, that's a little bit annoying. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I won't wasn't that a curb your enthusiasm thing this season? Well, it was like him and like the lesbian, and he wasn't sure if he should hold it. It was like very the whole thing was uh, very unwoke, but uh, right, he wasn't woke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see why you're I see why you're upset, but you can't let that ruin your day, Gavin. You're beating <laughs> me in fantasy football right now. You should be happy. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll get over it. If it happens again at work, I'll I'll, I'll flip out and probably uh, probably cancel the podcast. So I'll, you'll you'll know for sure if that happens. All right, for Josh. 
I'm Gavin. Thank Wait, you. Before we sign out, yeah. uh, let's do predictions for tomorrow's game. Quickly. Oh, yeah. Nets win or Suns win? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to say, you know, I'll, I'll, ugh, it's so tough. I'll, I'll give it to the Nets. They're, they're due for a game where they hit some threes and things go right. Yeah, I'll say Nets. Uh, Suns are playing San Antonio tonight and then have a back-to-back uh, tomorrow with the Nets. So you have to hope that Kenny Atkinson has uh, kind of instilled some sort of defensive intensity with these guys and that they get a, a lucky night where someone catches fire and can carry them uh, because Phoenix is certainly one of the best chances they have for a win in, in recent in the re- coming up in the upcoming game. So we'll right. see what happens, and you have to hope for the best. Okay, and we should be back on that game is tomorrow night, so probably um, Tuesday night we'll be uploading something on that one. Unless we're feeling really frisky, then maybe you'll get it by uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, for Josh, I'm Gavin. Everyone, enjoy uh, the rest of your Sunday, even though you'll be listening to this tomorrow. So enjoy your Monday too. Peace.